You are listening to episode 289 on University of Adversity. It was really serious, but as I was laying in the road, bleeding out, my femoral artery was severed. My yeah. leg was crushed into like, I mean, there were pieces of the bone that were blown out of my leg. So I had wow. for two, just to give you some perspective on the, you know, I had a 1% chance of my leg being saved from amputation and even that 1% chance, that was my glimmer of hope that I chose to hang on to that got me through 34 surgeries to save it. Wow. And I think that resilient people, when I really started to, to look at it and study it and, and, you know, I didn't go to some fancy university or anything. I've just somebody who has fallen and stumbled and got knocked down and hit rock bottom a couple of times and lost it all and had to start over, but I get up every time. So I started looking at what are some of the things that enabled me to get back up. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Welcome to the first episode coming at you from Costa Rica. <laughs> this was really fun getting this set up. I didn't know how it was going to work out with internet and tech stuff, but we made it work. And so far, so good. I'm really excited to bring this to you guys. I know 2021 has got off to a crazy start already with what's going on in the world, but I'm going to try and do my part as I've been doing for the last almost 300 episodes, try to give you the tools that you need to get through whatever you're going through. Adversity is coming at you. Adversity, resistance, struggle, pain, all of it. But if we can understand it is coming at us no matter what, and that that is going to be what helps us grow to get to the next level, then we can embrace it. We have to learn to embrace it because it's coming at us no matter what. The resilience, resilience builds character, adversity reveals character, and really, at the end of the day, when we get to where we want to get to, it's the journey of what we went through that we talk about. So sometimes we need people that have an inspirational story or somebody that's been able to probably been through worse than us that we can relate to and be like, oh, wow, they got through it. I can too. I know that's what I needed. And that's why today's guest is such a perfect guest right now. She is just so amazing. Her name is Amber Lee Lago. She is a health and wellness coach, TEDx speaker, podcaster, and leading expert in the field of resilience and transformation. She's the best-selling author of True Grit and Grace and empowers people around the world by sharing her story, how she turned her tragedy into triumph. Her podcast is also called True Grit and Grace as well. And you guys, uh, Amber Lee is probably the, one of the most inspirational humans I've ever spoken to. And I knew when we connected before that if this was going to be such a great conversation. So the timing is perfect. And I highly recommend going and subscribing to her podcast, getting her book and following her on social media. All her links are in the show notes. And most importantly, guys, if you guys do get value from this, share this, share this with somebody that needs it, right? Like that's really important. And if you feel called, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Uh, and of course, you guys, if you want to stay on top of all the episodes during all the craziness, hit the subscribe button wherever your wherever your choice platform is, 
and then you don't have to think about the episode. It'll just be downloaded for you. We're also available on YouTube, so go check us out there. All right, everybody, get ready for a powerful episode. True Grit and Grace, Amberly Lago. Here we go. Amberly, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on here. This is the first recording in Costa Rica. And last time we spoke was just so incredible. And you inspired me so much just from your energy and your story. So super, super excited to have you on. Thank you for coming on today. Lance, I love talking to you. And I so appreciate this opportunity to be on your show and just to get to connect with you and the audience. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I went in and I, I definitely wanted to learn more about your story. And the more I learned, the more I got inspired. And, mm-hmm. you know, just even watching your TED talk and just what you've been able to do and your perspective just on life in general with situations that come at you, it's, it's really, really inspiring because especially right now, and I want to get into kind of present day, there's a lot of people that are living in you know, victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes just a, a real perspective shift on, you know, how you look at things. So I would love if you could maybe walk us through your journey this last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from, you know, what you've gone through your story and then coming into 2020, what are some of the things that challenged you? And what are the things that you have kind of taken away now as a part of your mission moving forward? Well, first of all, technology is like, it was my biggest fear because four years ago, I didn't even own a computer. And now if you look at my office, I've turned this into like, this is where I practically stay all day. So I've really made it comfy. I've got candles lit. I bought new lighting. Um, You know, I had to get all this stuff to, to make it work. And and right away when 2020 came with along with COVID and I had all these big events lined up. I mean, I was going to had scheduled flights all over the country for speaking events and everything one by one just started to shut down. Right. Um, I trained people at a, a physical therapy facility. And so right away, I mean, that week I turned all my clients into zoom. So I got zoom links set up. So I'm not the kind of person that will wait around and say, Oh, well, I'll just wait till all this is done and we'll get back to normal. I think resilience isn't bouncing back, you know, in the dictionary, the definition for resilience is to bounce back. And for me, resilience is about bouncing forward. It's about being flexible in your ways of doing things. It's being able to find joy and happiness even when things don't go as planned. And it's definitely not being in that victimhood mentality, which is, oh, why is this happening? You know, why did this happen to me? I can't do these things. I focus on, well, what can I do? And I think the easiest way to get in that place of um, being a victor instead of a victim is to shift your perspective. And it's something that I have to do daily because I'm not saying it's easy for me. This has been, it's been, it's been really hard, very overwhelming. Um, You know, I have a husband who's retired and he's always knocking on my office door. (laughs) Thank (laughs) God he's knocking on my door, you know? Um, 
I have a 12 year old that's downstairs that I just ran in between uh, zoom meetings to go be the lunch lady for school mm. and check on her and virtual learning and all of that. And so we've all kind of had to make it work under the same roof because even though I don't sound like I'm from LA, I'm originally from Texas. I'm in LA and right now we're the epicenter for, for COVID. It's the yeah. worst spot to be in. <laughs> and so we're very locked down. And so it's really been um, having to dig deep to find the resilience. And I think it's not just about the physical, I think it's psychological stamina that we need right now. Cause for me, 2020 seemed like a marathon of, okay, another day, we got to do this. How can I look at the good in this situation? What am I learning from it? And so um, about a month ago, well, probably, yeah, about a month ago, um, you know, during COVID, the homelessness has gotten bad here. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel safe. We've gone through, so, you know, people have been getting sick. Our hospital beds are full. Um, there was a time, you know, curfew was nine o'clock, then 10 o'clock. And so um, all the gyms are closed. And so my gym is like my, that's where I go. That's my therapy for yeah. not just physical, but for my mind, it gets my mind right. So I quickly like got stuff out. We, I was, you know, made my garage into my gym. I was leg pressing furniture, lifting detergent bottles. I was at the barn doing squats, holding goats, no joke. Like I was doing whatever I could <laughs> to stay strong. <laughs> and so, um, gyms are still closed. Things are still closed. And so I think that just looking at being an acceptance for what is going on in your world and then making decisions on how you can make it better. Um, for me, I have to wake up every day with a morning ritual and that helps ground me. Mm. And Lance, do you feel like there's a lot of distractions? Like, I feel like there's so much new stuff coming at me. Like, with the clubhouse app oh, and the notifications for that. Yes. And then, you know, it, it's a lot. And so you, do you feel like that, that there's yes. a lot of this? Yes. I I'm so it's, it's funny you brought that up because first of all, I, I had to get away away from the chaos in the city for a while and, you know, to come to Costa Rica, that's where I felt my energy for me to be of service to the world. I needed to fix my energy and it wasn't working where I was. Mm -hmm. And since we, since I've been here, I've noticed this overwhelm of not doing enough or keeping up with everybody on the, on, you know, social media, or oh, there's this new app, or you should go over here. You should fall. You should go join this. This is getting censored. So you got to go over here. And it's just like, boom, boom, boom. You should be doing, you should do more. You should do this. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on a second. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and it, it gives this feeling of overwhelm and almost like, almost like a guilt shamey kind of feeling like I'm an entrepreneur. I should be doing this like the rest of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're exactly right. And then, and then um, you can easily fall into that comparison trap. Of, yes. Oh my gosh. Well, they're, they're doing talks every day on that clubhouse app and they're on TikTok and they're on LinkedIn and, and I'm supposed to post five times a day and all this stuff. And then I, I just last week had to go, whoa, wait a minute. I mean, last month, my daughter and I got hit by a car. And I immediately, you know, when we were getting loaded up into the ambulance, I was like, 
how, what am I trying to learn? What, what is the universe trying to teach me here? Like, what did I not learn from getting hit by a car before? By the way, this is my third time getting hit by a car once on my bicycle, on my motorcycle. And now we were riding our little razors in a crosswalk. A guy came flying through and took us both out. And, And thankfully we were thrown across the intersection and he didn't roll over us. So I was like right away in gratitude that I'm like, okay, we're alive. And then when I got in the ambulance, I found myself saying, what is this teaching me? What do I need to learn? How can I learn more? What did I not get the first time from the situation? And I mean, some people might be listening to this going, good Lord, girl, you need to look both ways. That's what you got to learn. But it's really like, I ask myself, what can I learn? And and when I start feeling overwhelmed by, I should be doing this, I should be going over here and I got to do this. I think, wait a minute. No, I love that you went to Costa Rica so you could get centered with your energy and your purpose. And somebody said something to me and it really hit home. And I, I think of this when I feel that sense of urgency and overwhelm and because here I was just got hit by the car, got out of the hospital and I was going to do a live interview in person in Vegas the following week. And I was like, I got to get better. I can't be throwing up from pain. I've got to get better. And one of my good friends said, your impact is only as big as you are well and healthy and your energy source is strong. And that really hit me because I thought, how can I be of service if I'm not fully recovered? And if I'm not, you know, feeling good myself and my energy's low, I mean, of course we can still do things, but if I want to make a big impact, I have to take care of myself first. I have to get better. And so I love that you're like, you know, my energy's not great. I'm going to go to Costa Rica and really get centered and take care of myself. Cause I think that's when we feel um, in the most, you know, we feel in alignment with our purpose and then we can be more resilient and make a bigger impact. And everything just kind of flows instead mm-hmm. of it feeling like I should be doing this and I can't keep up and I have to do all these things. And that's one of the things for the new year. I, I didn't really focus on resolutions. I focused on one word. Last year, my word was resilience. Thank goodness. Mm, <laughs> and wow. this year, can you believe that? Wow. My word was resilience. And, and this year, my word is quality. And so I want more quality you know, relationships, quality health. So I spend time working out, you know, taking care of myself, quality self-care, quality um, relationship with my husband, quality time spent. Because you know, I look back at how I spent time in 2020 and I think, okay, what brought me joy? Mm. What really moved the needle on my business? And what was just a waste of time? Like I didn't learn anything from it. It was just, it sucked the energy out of me or I wasted money on it and, and really start to eliminate those things. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you do any kind of inventory for, for your year, but I was like, this next year is going to be quality. And that's one of the reasons I was really looking forward to talking to you because you are quality, you're, you're, you know, and I'm sure your listeners are here listening to your podcast and your show because they get quality. You give such quality um, wisdom and information and insight. 
Oh, I appreciate it. And well, yeah, I mean, it's, I just, I, I like to have conversations that come from the heart, just like you do, you know, like mm-hmm. you're in your truth in your real, you know, soulful conversations. And I think there's just so much, um, fakeness and facades in the world, people trying to be like somebody else and they're afraid to be themselves. And there's not enough really real authentic, you know, true conversations. And I think that's why even when we talked the first time there was that synergy, like, wow, okay, this person is genuine, a genuine human being with a story that's being true. And people, you know, that's what I gravitate towards. I can tell if somebody's really speaking your, their truth. And sometimes the stuff that we talk about, you know, isn't going to be for everybody, but we're being, we're honoring ourselves, And I mm-hmm. think that's really, really important. And we're, I actually, there was something that you said that kind of ties into what we're talking about right now as, as is kind of like, which is really interesting to me is what, when, okay. So when you kind of analyze why these accidents happen, like, Okay. I, first of all, I admire and love that you are able to look at it like that from an empowerment. Like, what is this teaching me? Because 99.9% of the people out there don't, it's like, Oh, why does this keep happening? You're looking for the lesson you're looking for what? So what I would love to unpack that further, you know, when you're doing inventory, when you're going over things, you know, self-reflection, what do you feel like? What What is the conclusion for that? Like, where do you feel that that do you have any like sort of like not like hunches or is there anything that that you're kind of like that you're not doing that you want to be doing? And then you feel like because sometimes when I feel I feel like if we're not if we're doing something that if we're not doing something that we feel we should be, then like the universe or God will give us a message and, mm-hmm. and be like, hey, wait a minute, that's. You know, you, you're not living, you're not living full out enough. You're not going big enough. I'm going to give you another, like a little nudge, a little nudge to see. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I've been. Or a car hitting you. Well, and, and I, you know, (laughs) and that is just like, I'm just like blown away by that and hearing that that's happened three times, but it's just so interesting to like unpack, like, why is that? You know, like, you know, where's your conclusion with that? Like what did, where today, when you're thinking back, like, what do you well, feel? It was, you know, the difference with this, it's very interesting because, um, so when I got hit, when I was riding my motorcycle and I got hit by an SUV, it was really serious. But as I was laying in the road, bleeding out, my femoral artery was severed. My yeah. leg was crushed into like, I mean, there were pieces of the bone that were blown out of my leg. So I had for two, just to give you some perspective on the, you know, I had a 1% chance of my leg being saved from amputation. And even that 1% chance, that was my glimmer of hope that I chose to hang on to that got me through 34 surgeries to save it. And I think that resilient people, when I really started to, to look at it and study it and, and, you know, I didn't go to some fancy university or anything. I've just somebody who has fallen and stumbled and gotten knocked down and hit rock bottom a couple of times and lost it all and had to start over, but I get up every time. So I started looking at what are some of the things that enabled me to get back up. Mm. And I think one of my defaults is to think about 
what can I do next? Well, what am I going to do with this? It's not necessarily what happens to us, but what we choose to do with what's left. Mm -hmm. And so even when I was laying in the street, blood everywhere, uh, leg completely shattered, my foot was dangling off. One of my first thoughts was, oh gosh, well, this can't be good. I might have to train clients on crutches for a while. So my first thought was, <laughs> how am I going to train clients? Not, wow. not, oh God, I'm, you know, I could be dying. Now all those thoughts came later. And then wow. when I was writing my book, the editor added something in and I got the manuscript back and I'm like, you added in some stuff. That's not, I didn't write that. Like, what is that? He goes, well, I added in that you were angry. And I said, but I wasn't angry. He said, well, anybody would be angry if an SUV ran them over in the road. And I said, but no, I really wasn't angry. If I was angry, I wouldn't have had time to heal. I didn't have time to be angry. I had to focus on the good in my life. And I had to focus on the blessings that I did have. And I had to focus on all that I could do to get through every single day of that hospital stay from that was ended up being a total of about three and a half months. Mm. And if I was angry, I would have been, and we all have our, our stages and I have been angry, angry that my leg doesn't work properly anymore. Angry that I have pain. Yeah. You're being but human, then, human, yeah. of course, right? The, the different levels of being human. But I didn't stay in that anger. Instead, I focused on, again, shifting my perspective to what I can do. But this time when I got hit was a little bit different. I was angry. And I was angry because they hit my daughter. Like it was one thing when they hit me, but I'm like, mama bear came out. My daughter, oh my God, it was so scary. I thought... I'm going to look back and the car is going to be on top of her. I'm going to look. And I was like, oh, please, please, please don't. And you know, the interesting thing, um, I like when you said about how you get these messages from God. And so the week before we got hit by the car, I was going, my daughter and I were walking into the store and um, I was limping a little bit because I still have pain from motorcycle accident. I didn't even realize I was limping. And she goes, she goes, well, you know, mama, I don't think you have any lives left. I think you've used all nine lives. And I said, you know what? You're right. I, that's it. I got to play big now. I got to go big. Well, when I, <laughs> the very next week when I got hit, I was like, I guess I had one more in me. <laughs> and so, wow. but I had a little anger because I was like, man, not my daughter, you know? And I couldn't tell, like there was blood everywhere. And I, mm. it was, um, thank God she's okay. Her back's still sore, but she's okay. And uh, the CAT scan on her head came back was fine. But let me tell you the difference between sitting in the ER. So I'm sitting in the ER and they let my daughter Ruby and I share a hospital bed and they had us kind of away from everybody. And then there was a lady next to us who was there because um, she was pregnant and she had spotted or something. And she was really like only six weeks pregnant, I think. And so they were worried about her. And um, to put it kind of nicely, she wasn't the nicest person to the nurses and doctors and very demanding and very and not grateful. And for my daughter and I, we were so incredibly grateful to be alive. I mean, I've been in ICU after an accident and been had to be put in induced coma because I was literally dying there on the table. So to be alert and aware 
that my daughter's going to be okay. She's got the CAT scan. We're going to wait to hear how that is. I was so filled with gratitude. So every time the nurse or doctor came over, I said, thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. I know that you are so busy and you're under so much pressure and I just appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. We're so grateful to be alive. They brought us over and I was genuinely like, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. Cause I was like, so grateful. Um, they brought us over food. They brought us food. They got us in and out of the hospital, like faster than the lady next to us. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that whole gratitude thing pays off in more ways than you know, but it sure paid off and it got rid of me feeling worried. What if she's, what if her brain's bleeding? What, if, you know, all these things that I could have been focusing on. I was just so filled with gratitude. And when you are grateful, you don't have, there's no room for fear or worry. Um, you're mm -hmm. just full of gratitude. I was like, we sat, <laughs> we sat in that hospital bed next to each other. And we had one phone, my husband, I didn't even take my phone with me when we went on a scooter ride, I was trying to like unplug. And, um, so my husband, somebody called the, my husband for me and we we're being loaded on the ambulance. He handed me his phone. So I had his phone. So we're watching like, uh, YouTube videos on our phone and, it was comical. Like we just made the best out of like the guy that came up and, you know, the bathroom was near us. So this guy came up and he was probably about 85 years old and was talking to us. And then he turned around and his gown was completely open and he mooned us. And so it was like, we were finding ways to find humor in the situation. And then, um, my daughter answered the phone. My, my husband called and was like, she's like, hello. And he goes, and uh, she goes, oh yeah, I'm having the time of my life. And, and she goes, oh no, mama's not here right now. She's off with a doctor. And don't you worry about it. When she gets back, we won't have any medical bills to take care of. <laughs> and I was like, girl, where do you come up with this stuff? You're 12. Wow. You know? So I was like, when she started joking around, I was like, oh no, she's good. I was like, we can get out of here. And as we were released, we released like six and a half hours later and we're walking out of the hospital and we're kind of limping a little bit. Okay. We're, we're still in shock a little bit and we're walking and Ruby starts strutting. She goes, mama, we were wheeled in on a gurney and we are walking out of here. Doesn't it feel good? And I was like, I am so glad that that gratitude is in her too, you know? Oh. So it's like, we've been looking at all the blessings, despite all the, the things that have gone wrong. Um, there are so many blessings and just being here, getting to talk to you and connect with you um, is just a blessing, you know? Uh, that's such a, it's so powerful to have that message about gratitude and Again, I'm, I'm grateful for our conversation as well, because I think that conversations like this are what create the change in the world. It's the ripple, right? Mm -hmm. This is when we start with ourselves, what we can do every day, you know, to prime ourselves so that we're putting out good energy, good vibrations. We're grateful for our, everything that we have that comes out in our conversations. And then that is what helps other people do the same. It gives them permission, right? And gratitude is such an important lesson that, I believe kids need to learn early. Like, I wish I learned that, 
you know, I didn't learn that until I was, you know, I started to do the personal development journey, you know, three, four years ago is when I really started. I mean, it, five years or so I was on the journey, but it was the last three years where I've really, you know, really practiced gratitude as being, like you said, gratitude is alchemy in your TED talk. Like that's so mm -hmm. perfect because it really is, you know, you can see, you can't see, um, you know, gravity, but you know that it's working and gratitude when you start to you start to put it into your life, it's things just start to happen. And mm -hmm. growing up, you know, I came from a family that was very, it's the opposite. It was kind of fear based and it's no one's fault. You know, it's just, that wasn't, that was kind of woo woo hocus pocus kind of stuff. And I get, I think when you get to a certain point of your life and you start to see people successful talking about these things, you start to think, huh, all right, well, maybe I need to figure out how I can be more grateful and how I can literally look at the situation from a place of empowerment, right? Versus being victim. And mm -hmm. every, everything that you do, it's like a choice. You can choose like, like you, like this is why what your story is so inspiring because you probably, the more you go through, the more, the more of your medicine can serve the world because people are like, they listen to your story and they're like, wow, okay, I need to like, I haven't gone through anything compared to what she has and if you're able to look at it like that, then that gives people a ton of permission to do the same. And that is so inspiring because that, I believe, is the real true lesson that we all need to learn in our life is gratitude, is everything. Mm -hmm. It's all perspective. It's growth. It is. We need it. Really it. Is. We mm -hmm. need the grit, right? We need the grit. We need the adversity in order to reveal the character that's within us to get mm -hmm. to the next level. And then when we get through that, we're able to teach it to others. And if we don't go through it, how are we ever going to serve other people? Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. And yeah, you know, it, it is a practice. And I think that um, I, I didn't know. I mean, I, I, was, I wasn't on social media. I wasn't really a lot into the self-development or anything. And when I was going through my journey and you know, I was a fitness trainer and worked on before that I was a professional dancer. So I worked my whole life on the dance floor and traveling across the, you know, different countries on dance tours to being a fitness trainer where I was never even on my phone. I was like one-on-one, -on -one. I did fitness videos and stuff like that, but I wasn't into the personal development as much at like, as far as the mindset goes. Mm. Um, but where I really noticed a difference in gratitude playing a big part of how it made me feel was when I was stuck in the hospital bed and wow. I was actually watching these infomercials cause nothing was on TV at like three o'clock in the morning and I was in so much pain. I couldn't sleep. And so, um, these infomercials about, you know, how to get that Brazilian butt. And I was like, oh my gosh, my leg is like held together with these metal rods. I'll probably never wear a bikini again. Like, I know that's like shallow thinking, but I was like, my whole life was fitness and I was known for my legs and I was doing infomercials with like Body by Jake and Vitamin um, Company would use me on their labels. And now who's going to hire me? How am I going to train? Like I just started spiraling down into the darkest depression. Like, am I going to be able to work again? Is my husband going to love me looking like this? How am I going to chase after my two-year-old daughter? Like all these things. And I noticed um, I, in that moment was a moment that I thought I have a choice. Mm. 
I can keep going down this road or I can find something to be grateful for. And I noticed when I would write down um, everybody that brought me things in the hospital, like food or gifts or balloons or flowers, things that people that would come see me, I would write their name down because I was brought up to always write a thank you note. My mom, like we could not get anything without, we had to write a thank you note. And as a kid, it was kind of annoying to, to have to write a thank you note. But to me, that's when it kicked in that, oh, wow, I was writing these thank you notes in the hospital instead of looking down at my leg and focusing on was the day today, the day they're going to amputate it. Am I going to die of septic? Is the, you know, am I going to get septic again? Is that, all those worrying thoughts. I was so focused on uh, the, the gifts in my life of these people who had come to visit me, the gifts that they had brought me, the healthy food that I had to eat. And so that's when I started writing in my journal every day about what I was grateful for, because I could feel the shift. Yeah. It took my mind off of the worry. And, you know, it's not always easy to, to feel grateful when times are tough, but there's always something to be grateful for. And it really helps if you have an accountability partner. So if you want to start a gratitude practice, um, you know, you were asking me earlier about my morning routine. So I wake up with a prayer and set my intentions and say what I'm grateful for to God. Then I wake up and I journal and I write down my intentions and I say what I'm grateful for in my journal. Then I read out of now every day, either a spiritual book or self-development book, and I screenshot it and I have accountability partner and I send that to her and I write three things that I'm grateful for, for her. She writes three things that she's grateful for to me. And then it, we really have the opportunity to think write and feel mm. and connect with that gratitude. Mm. And I think that makes a difference when you can really feel it, not just go, oh, yes, I'm grateful I have a roof over my head. Yes, I'm grateful that um, I'm, I'm sitting here with you right now. That's a big one. But like really the little things that my thumb, I'm so grateful for thumbs. My thumb, I haven't been able to use for a month you don't realize how much you use your thumbs to oh. open jars, to open the car door, to curl your hair. I can't curl my hair with my left hand. Like all these silly little things that your thumbs do. And since that accident, it bursts the capsule in my thumb. And so I'm like, oh, I'm grateful that I'm getting a little stronger and I can almost grip my coffee cup mug the way that I should, you know, um, all these little things, like tiny things, like I opened a jar today. I'm so grateful that I can finally open a jar. It's been a month since I've been able to open a jar. Mm. You know, those little things that we might take for granted, it allows us the opportunity to kind of uh, look at it in a different lens. What, how do you help people that lack that gratitude? Like, let's, let's talk about like, you know, especially in like entrepreneurship or anything in their life. Mm -hmm. The people that you come in contact with, like, what are some ways, or even through your podcast, what are some tools and tips to help somebody make those tangible changes? Like to actually, you know, I am, I am ungrateful right now. I am, you know, you see them playing the victim. How, what do you recommend to them to like implement today that they can actually, 
you know, start to be more grateful and start to like mm -hmm. really see that change? Well, first of all, I think it takes a, a willingness, like they have to want to do it. Mm. Um, I mean, so many, so many times, you know, I've been sober for God willing five years. It'll be in March, God, by the grace of God. Thank you. You know, I chose to um, give up drinking and focus on what I was gaining from mm. doing that instead. And I've had people that want to get sober and they come to me and I, I, I teach them what I know on how the ways that I was able to stay sober, that I'm still every day, the things that I do every day that might be like, Oh, I don't really feel like doing this, but if I want to be sober, then if I want this life, then I'm going to have to do it. And, and look, you know, exercising is hard. Meditating is hard. Having a gratitude practice can be hard. Eating healthy can be hard. Um, a lot of yoga can be hard, but it's a hell of a lot better than a life of misery. Mm. So if I have my gratitude practice, I know that my life is just going to get better and better. And you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink it. So mm. you can, I can set an example and say, these are the things that I do. Um, but it's up to the person who really has to want it. Like for me, I really, really wanted to be sober and I was willing to do anything I had to do to stay sober. So I have a sponsor. She's like, you got to go to 12 step meetings. I was like, okay. It's like, you have to call me every day and check in. Okay. You have to text me at two o'clock every day. Okay. You have to read the book. You have to do that. Whatever she said, I was like, okay. And guess what? I did these things because I saw in her that light. I had lost the light. Like mm. the, my light was barely a flicker and I wanted my life back. I wanted to be lit up again. I wanted to be full of spirit. And the only way we can be full of spirit is if we do daily, you know, actions, if we focus on our intentions, if we, if we do the work. So, I mean, it, it's, I, and your daily routine has to fit with your lifestyle. You yeah. know, for me, I used to wake up and throw on my shoes and workout clothes and I was out the door to run. Now I have, I wake up at five. I uh, do my morning ritual by the time a couple of hours rolls around, I can finally walk a little bit better and move like I'm not 110 years old. <laughs> and so then I can exercise. But you have to really look at what are your priorities? What do you want out of life? And how is um, being grateful or setting your intention or focusing on your why? How are those things going to help you get from point A to point B? And, you know, you I think it's so much easier if you have um, a mentor or a coach, or if you're a part of a mastermind and you have a community, um, because we're not meant to do things alone. We're meant to have someone guide us. And so I've always had, and I've had several businesses and every business that I've had, and it's been a successful business. When I was full-time, you know, fitness training, I had a huge business with trainers that I employed and I had a mentor who taught me how to do it. And so I suggest picking someone that you see that you're like, oh, 
that's I not comparing, but admiring all that they've done. Maybe there's some things like, um, I remember when I wanted to start my own podcast, Mm. um, I went to my friend who had a successful podcast and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you help me? Uh, what mic do I need? What, Mm. what do I, how do I do it? So, you know, it's really important to, first of all, go seek counsel from someone that you trust and don't get um, advice from people who aren't living the life that you want to live. Especially nowadays when social media is just in our face, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's so incredible how we can base our lives and what we should be doing just because we see some people post some things. Mm-hmm. And that is so challenging sometimes, right? And we really have to look at like, yeah, exactly. Like the leaders that we follow, you know, do we, do they have the lives that we want? Are they, do they have the values? Do they have, yeah, they may have the fancy stuff, but like what is underneath that? Like mm-hmm. what's the, you know, and I really, I like to unpack their story and learn about, you know, what makes them a good leader? Like what makes them successful? If it's just about money, I don't, I don't see that as being long-term. Like I, I love somebody that has like that real, that quality of, of real leadership where they, you know, compassion and, 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 you know, understanding and acceptance of themselves, which brings more acceptance in others. And, that's what I've really learned as well. You know, like having one of my mentors, Aubrey Marcus and being part of his, his community and his, and that mastermind for the year has really been that the self-love that we have for ourselves, the compassion, the forgiveness, the acceptance of our story is really the most important part in our healing and what we see in others and what we attract into our lives as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, business and, and, and success is all, all is based off how we feel about ourselves. It is. It's so much about our inner world. Yeah. How we are on our inner. And so for a long time after my accident, that's why I got sober because Uh, I was so, you know, I was like healthy, you know, fitness, doing infomercials to all of a sudden, I'm home, I'm drinking to try to self-medicate for the physical pain. And I noticed it was helping kind of stuff down the emotional pain too. And so, you know, it's hard to let those feelings come up and it was a lot to deal with. And it was at that moment that I realized I was running away from a lot of past trauma. I was, I ran my whole life from trauma from sexual abuse as a child from my stepfather, from physical abuse, from uh, a horrible marriage. Like I ran, I mean, I seriously became a really good runner. (laughs) And then when I was stuck in a hospital bed, I couldn't run anymore. I didn't have any tools. I'm like, how am I going to process these emotions before I could just go run? I could just run and run fast. Um, And so that's when it really hit me that, I was living this double life. Like I was trying to pretend on the outside, like everything was okay. And on the inside, I was dying inside. And I would drink to try to numb those 
feelings of, you know, I felt worthless. Um, I didn't, I'd lost my confidence. I didn't love myself. I mean, hate's a four letter word in our family. And I hated myself. I hated my leg. Mm -hmm. I was ashamed of the way I looked. I didn't want to admit that I had a nerve disease and I was going to be disabled the rest of my life. I was so, I, I, I was in denial. Mm. And it wasn't until I got into that acceptance that I was able to let those feelings come up and heal. And then slowly but surely, my inner world matched my outer world, uh, um, you know, to where I felt good on the inside. And I think when you feel good on the inside, not that's not to say that I don't feel bad sometimes. Yesterday, I was beating myself up good because I did a horrible like two minute interview for TV. And I was I was like, oh, my God, that was the worst interview I've ever done. It's, it was horrible, like all day. I was like, Amberly, let it go. Let it go. And I think that a lot of times we have to talk to ourselves yes. instead of listen to ourselves. I have to talk to myself and tell myself. Amberly, you got this. Amberly, let it go. Amberly, you deserve to be here. You worked hard for this. Whatever it is that I'm trying to tell myself or because man, my self-talk can get out of control. Mm. <laughs> so so much truth there and I can relate to that so much. I was beating myself up as well yesterday because I was allowing myself to get into this this rabbit hole on social media. And at the end of the day, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, you know, it's terrible, whatever, whatever perspective, whatever side you're on, it's so it can rob our joy and our happiness. Just looking at these devices, we can mm -hmm. allow it. And I sat back at the end of the day and I was like, wow, did I ever let that little thing dictate my happiness today? And I, I realized, and, you know, to your point about kind of being upset and not sitting in it for too long. Just being like, okay, huh, interesting. Looking at it, talking to, you know, our kind of our, uh, the younger Lance or the younger Amber Lee, because that's all we are as grown up kids, really. It's mm -hmm. like, how would you talk to a child? Well, you know, you should talk to ourselves like that too. And just be like, hey, it's all right. You're human, you know, like it's not as, it's not, a, you're not, it's not as bad as you think, you know, you did your best with what you could do, you know, just let's, what could I learn from this? And it's really, that's, that's, that's so important. And the, 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 the ability to feel that, but then to move on is, is so important because so many people get stuck in that, right? You could mm -hmm. sit in that, you could dwell on that. The average person would probably take, say you weren't happy with something and they would let that dictate their whole week every day. And they would beat themselves up and they would go down this like rabbit hole. And that is like, the worst you can do because you're just creating this like consistent low vibration, right? Mm -hmm. And it's normal to have that feeling. It's, but it's like, how long do you sit in it? Yeah. And you know, shame is the lowest vibration yeah. there is. And um, I've had so much shame in my yeah. life. I mean, shame from sexual abuse, shame from two failed marriages, um, shame from the way I looked, uh, shame from turning into an alcoholic from being this yeah. sponsored Nike athlete to how the hell did I get here? And the thing is, you know, adversity doesn't discriminate. Alcoholism doesn't discriminate. Addiction no. doesn't discriminate. 
we're all, we all go through stuff, you know, we're all only human. I think, I mean, I would say most people have gone down that rabbit hole of social media and been like, Oh my God. Well, you know, (laughs) and that where, what are they doing? And, Oh, I should have done that. And why did I, I mean, I actually just, just, I think yesterday, um, told, um, Maddie who works on my team, she works alongside me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have taken a two week break from my, my podcast. This should have been the time that I'm really getting it out there. And and it's like, shoulda, coulda, woulda. No, take some time to recover and rejuvenate and replenish yourself. Like I always say, you know, okay, is this going to matter in five years? No, it's not going to matter. Then why is it going to, no, let it go. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about, you know, your, the past trauma, like how have you dealt? Do you still deal with that? You know, the sexual abuse, like how have you processed that? Because that it's, I, I didn't know that. So I'm really glad that you brought that out into the light because I feel like it, it allows even more healing to happen. And I, I like where I'm coming from is like, that is just, so awful. And I don't know how I would be able to process that. So, and that can just linger in our subconscious for so long. How have you been able to deal with that? And because I can relate with alcohol and drinking and I'm four months sober, but I've gone back and forth with shame and guilt with being hung over and it ruining, you know, digging myself out of holes instead of building on the foundation. I've done it, you know, for so many years and I don't know what that real, I've, I've kind of underco- uncovered like, you know, teenage trauma, young trauma, why I drank to kind of hide and numb out, but it was never anything to that extreme. So I just, I always am like, wow, like t- somebody to go through that. So I guess the long answer, the long question is like, how have you processed that? And what do you do still to, mm-hmm. do you revisit that? And do you do work on that? Or is it still something that's kind of like there, but it's like, how, you know, walk us through that a little bit, if you don't mind. Well, first of all, congratulations on four months. Well, thank you. That's, that's huge. I remember when I got a three month chip and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> three months. I remember when I got my first chip, I was like, oh my God. Um, uh, I was a mess, you know, and I'm still a mess a lot of days, but <laughs> I have tools to work that out now. And as far as like the sexual abuse, there are so many layers to that. And it's interesting because just the other night you think uh, you think that you're healed and, and healing is not a destination. It's an ongoing process. So it's constantly uncovering layers because it is in our subconscious and it is, it is um, you never know when something is going to trigger that, that emotion or that, that trauma. And so I was laying in bed the other night, sound asleep. And my husband came over to kiss me and I jumped up in defense. And I was like, he goes, Oh my God, just went to kiss you, you know? And 
my ex-husband, one of the reasons he divorced me is because I had not, I mean, well, he, there was a lot of reasons, but I remember he would really get upset with me because he worked nights and I'd be asleep and he would kiss me and I would jump up in defense. Well, he didn't understand. Like I had been sexually abused as a child. Like my stepdad would, and there was never a safe place there. My sleep wasn't even a safe place for me. And so I thought that I was over all of that. So I, I like slept in defense, like with one eye open. And so the other night when my husband kissed me, I was like, dang it, man. I thought that was done. I thought like that was over. Maybe there needs more work. There's more work to be done, but I can talk about it. And for years I couldn't talk about it. And there was so much shame behind it. And, um, when I wrote about it in my book and when, you know, they give you the first copy of your book and on the back of the, uh, the jacket of the book, it start. my husband picked it up and he was reading, he goes, you know, it talks about sexual abuse here. And I was like, yeah, he goes, well, you should take that off. And I said, well, no, it's in the book. Maybe you should read the book. Cause I talk about it in the book. And he was like, Oh, and so there was like a little bit of shame, but I'm like, no, I'm going to talk about this. I am letting go of this shame and I'm going to show others that no matter what they go through, they can still find a life of joy and have, you know, their dreams come true and have a family and be dignified no matter what, because when you're sexually abused, they make you feel like you're the one that did something wrong, that it's your fault, that you, you feel the shame, the, the guilt, like, and you don't, you learn to not trust your gut because you know, it's not right. But when you say this happened and this isn't right, they tell you, no, this is the way a father teaches her daughter. This is right. But if you tell anybody about it, I'll kill your mother. And so I lived with that for a long time. And I thought that he would. And when I finally did come out, my mom found out, do you know, he didn't deny it. And for so long, I thought he's going to deny it. He'll just deny it. He didn't deny it. He left my mom with my um, little sister and my disabled stepbrother. And so my mom was now a single mom with, you know, two kids at home still. And um, he ended up uh, moving, you know, this was in Texas. He ended up moving about an hour and a half from me in LA. And for a long time, I swear I'd, I'd be going, I feel, I feel him. I feel his presence. I feel like he's around me. And I thought, Oh no, those are just those feelings, those triggers coming up. And then I found out he lived. It could have been him. He, he kind of those, those feelings and those trauma, those things can haunt you if you don't deal with them. And, and it was actually after my motorcycle accident, when I was in the middle of writing my book and I wrote about it, that I really hit my rock bottom because I did not know how to process these things. And so it took me about two years to finish writing the book because in the middle of writing it, I had to get help from a therapist, do some trauma work, really do some healing. Um, and I, 
am so glad I wrote about it in the book because I can't tell you how many people, men and women, who have come to me and said, thank you for sharing that because I have held on to so much shame that happened to me too. And I said, you don't have to carry that. That's not yours to carry. You can let it go. And it's like changed their life. And so it was hard because I didn't want to write anything that would hurt my mom. And she felt so bad about it. And she said, well, Amberly, can you add in the book, if I would have known, I would have done something about it. And I said, but mom, this isn't a book about coulda, shoulda, woulda. It's a book about this is what happened. And this is what I'm choosing to do with what's left. I'm going to thrive. I'm not going to be a survivor anymore. I'm sick of surviving. I want to thrive. I want to have a life of joy and, and heal. And that takes time to, to work on yourself and work on those traumas, but it's worth it when you do. Thank you so much for sharing that, you know, and your humility and everything is just so amazing how you, I can see why people love listening to you because you're all about talking about healing is a journey. It's like we never arrive. Like right now is, it's always an ongoing process. It's mm -hmm. not like, that's what I really like about you too. It's not like you're like, oh, I'm here. I figured it all out. I'm, I'm perfect now. And I think those are the kind of people that people gravitate towards people who are like real humans and are willing to share their truth, show that they don't have it figured out, but they may be a little, a few steps ahead. You know, I've been through this. I'm a few steps ahead of you. I can help you out, you know, and, and that's really, I love that, but it's not like sometimes there's people that are like, Oh, I have it all the answers and they have this facade. Like, I, I've, I've figured it out. I've mastered life. And yet they're probably the most unhappy people, right? Because it's, well, it's I think revealing it's that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody's a little bit different. Like I've yeah. learned a lot from um, the pain, the chronic pain that I have every day from CRPS and yeah. every person that has CRPS, you may be a little bit alike, you have that common thread. It's the same with um, addiction or alcoholism. Our stories are, are a little different, but we have that common thread that connects us. Um, I, you know, I'm, I think that perfection isn't possible, but transformation is yeah. that you can transform your life. You can transform your mind, your body, your soul. Um, and everybody's a little bit different. So I, I share, you know, like I share in my Ted talk, I share, I just, um, uploaded a free like playbook in my Instagram on my link tree today because um, it's called unleash your superpower of resilience. And I give this, the process pacer, which helps me the perspective, acceptance, community, and rest. I give that whole uh, process that I use every day, but I think everybody has to come up with their own process. You know, I can learn from you. You can learn from me. What might work for this person over here might not work for me, but I think when we come together and we share what works for each other, that's how we all grow. Mm. And so I'm all about, let's share what we got. Let's, let me, totally. you know, if, if the this goes out of this, just, just let's, let's just be open. Let's like, you know. oh yeah. Like with uh CRPS, like if something works for me, 
I'll be like, this is what I use. This is what I do. This takes my pain down. If there was something that cured me, I would be screaming it off the rooftops. Mm. This is a cure. But, and I've got people that approach me all the time. Like, can you advertise our pain patch or can you Mm -hmm. advertise this? And I've only advertised one thing. And I was like, I will only advertise this if it works for me. And I did for a couple of months and I was like, had so many people and it did, I did before and after pictures and it worked for my inflammation. It really took the inflammation down, but then um, it doesn't cure CRPS. Mm -hmm. It took my inflammation down. And I think a lot of people are expecting a cure, a pill, uh, just do these five things and your life will change. Mm. And it's not that it is a whole process of mind, body, and spirit. And you have to practice those things every single day with intention to really start to see that transformation in your life. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, inflammation in general is really the the root cause to most illnesses too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, you take away the inflammation, it allows your body to kind of come back to, you know, homeostasis. If you're inflamed, it's kind of hard to heal yourself fully, you know? And mm-hmm. I love that because like, it's, and it's just, a, it's a holistic package. It's like, you can't get a magic pill, but it's like being mindful of what you put in your body, what you consume, what you listen to, how you move your body, what you do. It's, it's, it's the whole thing. Who you surround yourself with. Yeah, that too. Yeah. And Ooh, that's a yeah, big one. That's huge. You're, yeah. The, the, the choice of, of whether being mindful of your energy as well and people that can rob you of your joy. And because mm-hmm. there's people, there's, there's energy vampires out there. We all know them, you know, and it's, it's kind of like, all right. Um, or being mindful at, if I talk, if I go down this road, what is the, what is the benefit? Like, what am I going to get out of this? And I've learned that like this person, I just, I'm just not going to talk about this, right? Like, it's just not worth it because that is going to create this like energy that isn't going to serve anybody. And it's really interesting at, at when you really get mindful at, at, at choosing who you associate with and really intentional about Mm -hmm. your conversations and, um, it's, it really changes your life because when you're, when you start to be mindful of that, and then you kind of go unconscious and you start to talk to people that are, 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 are in a different headspace, not to say that's not good, not a good thing to do is talk to other people that aren't on the same mm-hmm. path as you, but you can really notice it. You can really notice the feeling that is generated from that. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's, I agree. it's really important to be mindful of that. Right. Yeah. And I think um, there's uh, an easy way to tell when there's somebody that sucks the energy out of you is you ever get a phone call, your phone rings and you see somebody, (laughs) their name come up and you're like, oh, Oh. God, what do they want? You know, they're that is such a good tip. You know, because there are people that every single time they call, it's because they're calling because they want something. And so I see their name. I'm like, oh, gosh, what do they want now? What? You know, Mm. I'm so busy. What do they want? And then there are people that call and you're like, oh, my gosh, Lance is calling, you know, (laughs) that I'm like uh, that you get excited about because there's an exchange of energy. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't leave you feeling depleted. There's just this energy. There's a flow. Yeah. Yeah. And I always had that, you know, that message when I was working in the bars, you know, running, you know, managing people in restaurants and bars is that you're responsible for your energy and you want to leave the person feeling better than they did before. Like that should be our goal in life is to like every relationship, like how are you leaving that relationship? Are you leaving Mm -hmm. them feeling better than they did before? Well, then that's a win. If you can do that in every area and every relationship, you're going to win in life. You know, like it's and that that's such a great point because you know we all need help. We all need to reach out and ask for help. Sometimes everybody's not always you know always going to be happy. Not every day is not going to be great. Um, But we can still have a conversation with somebody. And even if we're asking them for help, let them know that we appreciate them. Because doesn't that feel good when? Yeah, when- yeah. That's that's one of the best things. And I was talking about this the other day. That's what I see as a good leader and a good coach too. It's like it's seeing seeing something in somebody and bringing it to light. Like you're really good at that. You should do more of that. You know, like I really like that. Like I got a lot out of that. Or, you know, does anybody ever say like, like really pulling out these things and, 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 and appreciating them because most people don't do that. And I always find that when somebody does that for me, when they're like, Hey, you're, they notice something weird that I, about me that like nobody notices. And I always love that in sports, like a coach would notice something and it'd be like, Hey, you, you should really think about, Da, 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 da. or and i'm like oh really like i didn't uh, i kind of knew that but now that you've said that it makes me it inspires me to want to do it right yeah, and i think yeah. that's so important is to appreciate people and to see that to see that in them because mm-hmm. everybody's got that something they got greatness within them everybody has that thing and i really believe the best leaders in the world can see that in other people can really feel and help them see that themselves. Because if they can't I think, it, yeah, that, you know, I think part of being a good leader, part of being resilient is hunting for that good, being able to hunt yeah. for the good, you know, yeah. in yourself and in other people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, such a great conversation. I love where I want to make sure everybody goes and checks out your podcast and your book, True Grit mm-hmm. and Grace. I love that because there's so much emphasis on the tr- uh, on like grit and like hustle, hustle, but not enough on the grace. And I love that because those words are so key because the grace is just as important as the grit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? It really is. Yeah. Where is the is best? A- oh, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't want to cut you no, off. No, I was going to say it's, it, <laughs> they both had, it's by, you know, the grit and by the grace of, of God and giving myself grace that I've been able to, and still get through every day. It's not, it's not always easy. That's for sure. But um, yeah, reach out if you're listening and, and connect with me. And if you want these tools, some of the tools that I've given shared here, Mm. you can go to my, uh, I haven't even put it on my website yet. I just put it on Instagram today at Amberly Lago motivation, right? My link, you can get a downloadable either gratitude journal or the, the playbook, and hopefully you'll have fun playing with it and um, reach out to me. You can text me at uh, 818-214-7378. I love to connect. Um, and yeah, 
AmberlyLago.com. You can find uh, more information and upcoming events or my book club. So hope to see you in there. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you so much. much. I always love talking to you and I can't wait to hear about your adventures in Costa Rica. So yeah, it's going to be, I'm on my own healing journey, you know, doing this ayahuasca and, you know, something, the unknown. I just, I'm so committed to healing myself because I know that the degree that I heal myself, I can help others. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's magical. I'm grateful to be able to have conversations like this from areas like this. And this is the change. This is the change. We got to, we got to help people out. And these conversations are going to do that. I truly believe it. So again well thank you it's really i feel so honored and um yeah please do keep in touch and uh thank you for for listening who you know if you're listening uh and please reach out thanks everybody we'll have everything in the show notes for you to check out amber lee um so powerful i'm so inspired when i hear you speak and i just love just your your ability to inspire in in this way that's still got this like soft energy and like powerful energy at the same time so so excited for everybody i know everybody's going to go follow you after they see this after they hear this because you know we hearing stories of inspiration like this from a woman is just so empowering and 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 for men too but it's just like it's it's so what you've been able to go through so many different levels of adversity to get to where you are today is just like, it's mind boggling. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks everybody. Powerful episode. Amberly is just, just a testament of resilience and inspiration. And I'm just so happy to be able to share that with you guys at this time in our lives. So if you guys did give value, please share that with a friend, uh, subscribe to her podcast, true grit and grace, and also grab her book, true grit and grace. I mean, If you need a kick in the ass or you need a perspective shift, get her book, follow her, check her out on social media. She's got, she's got such inspirational stuff and like her story is just amazing. But what I really love about it is that she's just keeps this great attitude and she's fully transparent that it's not always peachy and rosy, right? Like it's not always sunshine and rainbows, you know, but I love the way that she's able to share that with you and, 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 and just really understand that we all go through hard days. We all go through tough times. It's not always easy, but it's, it's how you show up. It's how long you stay in that, that spot and how you use things to grow and you use things as lessons. If everything can be a lesson and we can be empowered by that, every situation we face will get easier. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Catch you next time.